Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Happy New Year. I'm hoping 2019, and I believe 2019 is going to even be better. As we were praying for 2019 and thinking about how we wanted to start the year, Jeremy and I were both drawn to this word breakthrough, which is a word that, if you know me, is quite a bit more pumpy than I'm usually used to. And therefore, I tend to not be attracted to words like that. But we really felt like that was what we were wanting to do. And and it's also, you know, one of those traditional things you do in January, you know, new goals, resolutions. And and so when anything is like that, I also kind of have a negative reaction going, ah, let's not go there, you know, because how have those fared all the resolutions, you know. But we felt like God was saying that. And so we've been examining and thinking and praying about that. And our sense is God is wanting to focus us more on visiting and revisiting some areas in our lives that we want or we need change to take place in, especially those areas, those places in our lives that we don't think could ever change. We want to explore what God is wanting to do for us and through us in those areas. And, and, uh, and we all want, in the areas where we're stuck, where we're frustrated, where we're hopeless, we all want breakthroughs. So here's what I want to invite us to as kind of the core of this series. Breakthrough starts in Jesus. Okay, I know that sounds really cliche, but it's so not. Growth and change and deliverance and dreams fulfilled. We're going to get really practical with this. But all that stuff, whatever you want breakthrough in life, starts with you and starts with me when we align ourselves with the person who has the power and the life. And that's Jesus. When Jesus was facing the grief of the loss of one of his dearest friends, he was talking to the sister of his friend who had died. And and he said to her, I said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asked Martha this question. She says, do you believe this? And Martha's response, I think, is very much like yours and mine would be. We would say when Jesus asks us that question, well, yeah, Jesus, I, I get that, but that, that's for eternity and for heaven. It's not for here. And Jesus says, yeah, it is for heaven, but, but he says, I'm here now. It's also for now. Jesus is our life now, the one who resurrects things now in our lives that seem dead, makes things happen in our lives that seem impossible, but we still long for them. John, Jesus' closest disciple, records a vision of interaction with Jesus in Revelation 1, and Jesus is speaking when saying to him, he says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So whatever you are facing in life, whatever you feel stuck in, whatever you think is impossible, dead, hopeless, whatever you wish you could grow in and see change for the better in your life, God is the one who holds the keys and he's the one who can unlock those things and allow you to break out of those places you're stuck and wishing you could grow. What we're going to explore in a variety of ways through this series in really practical ways is how to tap into the power and life of God and how he works in unlocking things and empowering growth in us, getting things that are stuck to break through and begin to move forward when we don't think it's even possible. 
So in preparing this, I, I, I want to just give a little credit for today's message. I really appreciated some key points made by a, a pastor named Blake Lindsley. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, he helped form some of the, the key points for today's message. Uh, today I want to simply start this way. I want to start by inviting us to dream again. By tapping into the power of your dreams is critical. Because dreams motivate us. They determine our destination in life. And when we let go of our dreams, we become more aimless, often focusing on things then in life that really don't matter all that much. If the dream that we have is worthy, then the journey getting there is worth it. There are many kinds of dreams in life, but what we're going to focus on today is what I like to call life dreams. Uh, Dreams of your heart, your mind, your imagination of what a preferred meaningful future looks like for your life. Every single person in this room has those kinds of dreams. You have many of those kinds of dreams. Because we all naturally live with a picture of what it means to be, let's just say, a good mom or a good dad. You have a dream of what it looks like to be a good spouse or a good friend or, or what a joy-filled life looks like. You, you even have a dream for what your life will look like physically, your health, your strength, what you'll be able to do when you're young and when you're middle-aged and when you're older. You have a dream of what work looks like, which could be anything from making a huge difference in life, or, or it could just be, and this is, this is no less than that other kind of a dream, it, it's simply a job that you enjoy the people and you make enough money to do what you really want in life and make a difference outside of work. You have a dream for what you want from God and what you want from church. We all have many different life dreams and life pictures of what life preferred would be. Life dreams is something God wants to give us. He wants to refine them. He wants to expand them. And sometimes God wants to add to our dreams by communicating with us in a way that stokes the passion of our lives, where we get to experience God, where we realize that more profoundly that we get to be involved in something that just lights a fire in us and makes a difference in this world. That, that way God speaks to you may just come simply through the affirmation of a mentor. Or it may simply be something that pops into your heart and your mind when you're imagining what a good life looks like for you and in this world. Sometimes it might even be God speaking more directly to you through a dream or some other way that he speaks to you. Many of you have heard me tell about the dreams of God that brought us from Oregon to to here, taking me from a job I was content in staying in on the West Coast forever as far as I was concerned to consider looking for a job in Ohio that led us to Quest. When you hear me talk about God wanting to bring color in our lives, that's actually language referencing from one of the most powerful dreams that God used to speak to me in that moment. Some of you had similar experiences where God took a dream and he touched it. In some way, he birthed something even more than you thought, different than you thought. And others of you aren't, aren't really sure you can point to that kind of a God encounter ever in your life that's shaped a dream. But, I, but here, if, if that's you, hear me. Don't be discouraged by that. Don't feel like you are somehow second rate that God's not paying attention to you. That's not the case. Most things in my life, most things in most of our lives that have turned out to be God dreams didn't start with this tremendously conscious encounter with God. But God was still working in your life and my life, stoking desires and dreams to align with his really, really good dreams, his better than my dreams for life. And sometimes God does give us literal dreams or an encounter to focus our dreams. Uh, So my kids, two of my kids attend a a college, a university in, in, in Oklahoma about 
4,000 students, and, and if you know the history of that, God spoke to this young man in his teens uh, who just, all he wanted in life was to play basketball and he wanted to, you know, be friendly with girls. And, uh, and, and, he, and he, he grew up in this kind of poor, relatively uneducated place, and, and, and God had a dream for his life that he spoke to him to preach and pray for healing for people all over the world and to start a university that would send students sold out on following Jesus to do the same in all spheres of life. The dream of this young man, would have, he would have never thought of on his own. And today there's a university with a campus worth several hundred million dollars. 30,000 students have been sent out to be missionaries and doctors and nurses and businessmen and, and women and alumni who are serving in politics in Washington and lawyers and educators and preachers all over the world serving in all sorts of dark places, doing, living that dream of bringing the light of God and God's healing there. His name was Oral Roberts. He was dreaming for one thing, basketballs and girls. And God had something bigger for his life that he could have never imagined. An ongoing legacy of tens of thousands of people multiplying the work that he began. Now, let's just be honest. Not many of us are going to be that famous and have that visible of an impact in life. But here's the point. I believe God desperately wants to take each and every one of you from the places you are stuck, from the places where you feel incapable of moving forward. And he wants to breathe life into dreams that you doubt, dreams that you think are dead. He wants to give you dreams that are different and bigger, even more good than you are demanding, or than you are dreaming right now. The Apostle Paul talks about this when he says, Now to him, meaning God, who is able to do immeasurably more, so how much more? Immeasurably more. You can't measure the more that God wants to bring in and through your life. Immeasurably more than all we ask. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had something you ever wanted to dream that you started to dream about but you didn't feel like you could ask? It was just too much to put into words. It, 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 you didn't feel worthy. You didn't feel capable. You felt almost prideful and arrogant to even think it, much less ask God for this dream? Maybe some of you are stuck. You're wanting a breakthrough or facing something you can't ask for because your hope is gone, because it can't happen, because you think it won't happen because of, and you have a whole list of because ofs in your life. The text says immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I know some of you, you've got pretty ambitious imaginations. But Paul tells, tells us that God wants us to dream immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So how? How can we dream like that in life? Well, we dream and we see dreams fulfilled in our lives because of his power that is at work within us. That's a problem in life. And John 10.10 10 says it really well. It says the thief, meaning referring to the devil, to demonic forces, to the power of sin, the slavery of sin, it comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And frankly, too many of us live in that dream stealer, dream killer, dream, dream destroyer place in life. You had a good dream, one that was perfectly in line with God's good for yourself, for your life, and the enemy has come along and he's stolen it, he's killed it, he's destroyed it. Your life isn't working out as you, as you planned or dreamed. 
Certainly, few of us have been affected like the people of the California wildfires this last year or the tsunamis and earthquakes in Indonesia, but those are such vivid examples of how fragile life can be and dreams can be. But many of us in our hearts have experienced what they have experienced in the physical, the uprooting, the death of dreams, things we have decided are simply never going to happen. They're never going to be the same again. You see, the enemy of our souls would like nothing more than for each of us to give up on the dreams God has for our lives. So let's take a look at some of the most common dream killers. We're going to do that today by taking a quick overview of Abraham's life. Let's start in Genesis 15. It reads there, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my household is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and no member of my household will be my heir. Abraham is dreaming, uh, and a member of a household. He's referring to Eliezer, a, a, a worker that works for him. Abraham is dreaming of basketball and girls. And God's dream is much bigger for them. So God goes on and says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, Look up at the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham is dreaming about being a father. But God is dreaming of Abraham being the father of nations and his offspring blessing everyone on earth. But what we see here is actually earlier in that text is the first of the dream killers. And that's this. It's unfulfilled expectations. Each of us has a predetermined idea of how life should go. We have a vision for our work, for our marriage, for our family life, for our friendships, for our fun, for success, for, for financial dreams and expectations. And, and when marriage doesn't work out like we want, when success doesn't come the way we want, it's so easy to get caught in focusing on the unfulfilled expectations, feeling empty, disillusioned, down, even hopeless in our lives. I'll be honest, I've struggled with this in every stage of my life, but I especially struggled with this in my 20s. One of the most profound God encounters happened to me for when I was, when I was 18 years old. God, I was just working out, you know, I think I was actually working out on the farm, just, you know, whatever, doing whatever. And I, all of a sudden, out of the blue, I sensed God speak to me in possibly what was the most profound way he's spoken to me in my life to date. And what he spoke to me defined a, an identity for me, a future for me, and a vocational, a kind of a vocational ministry dream in a significant way. But then I went to college and I went to seminary and I graduated from seminary and I still wasn't in full-time ministry like all my friends were. Instead, I was still just throwing boxes at UPS. Now, that's probably not the customer-friendly way to say working at UPS. Probably throwing isn't the right word, right? You, you don't like to hear that. Maybe I should just say it this way. While my other friends and peers were already in successful full-time ministry, I was handling boxes <laughs> and giving my time as a volunteer unfulfilled expectations. Proverbs actually speaks to this in a really profound way. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we can all go, yeah. That's so true, isn't it? But longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
See, the danger in unfulfilled expectations is that it causes us to take matters into our own hands to determine our own future in our own way. And we actually see this in Abraham's life in chapter 16, where Sarai, Abram's wife, says, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I could build a family through here, her. Now, I know that sounds really repugnant today. I don't believe that that practice was probably even best in that day, but it was nonetheless uh, something that was commonly practiced back then, and it wasn't even seen as immoral back in that day to do that. But, but here's what I want you to pay attention to. I want you to pay attention to the word, I can. I, Sarah, can make this dream happen. Even though God isn't doing this promise through me, he's not fulfilling his word, I can make this happen. And as you read the rest of the story, you see Hagar gets pregnant and Ishmael turns, uh, turns out to be a counterfeit dream and problems arise. See, when we take things into our own hands, we often actually create more problems. I mean, I know it's really difficult to figure that out because it's difficult to know how much is our responsibility a lot of times and how, what's God's part. But, but, but there's the simple truth that we can all relate to is waiting, period, is difficult. It's really difficult business to wait. See, the wisdom to know what to do is one thing, but it's just as important to know when to do it. As you jump down to chapter 17, you see Abraham about 13 years later after this whole Ishmael thing now, and he's 99 years old, and God appears to Abram, and he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, and he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. The name change, uh, the, the initial names were father and mother, but the name change meant father of many, mother of many. God is reaffirming to them the promise of being the father of nations. But it's interesting, right after that, we see Abraham's response to God when God appears to him, and we see in that our next dream killer, which is unrelenting doubt. Abraham, it says, fell face down in his response to God coming to him that way. So he's in awe. He's worshiping God in his presence coming to him, God's powerful presence. But then what does he do? It says he laughed. And he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Do you ever have that kind of internal dialogue with God? Yeah, God, I worship you. That's really awesome. That's really encouraging for you to say that chuckle, chuckle, but no way that's ever going to happen. It's just too much. Somebody else, God, not me. It's too much. And you kind of laugh. You see, Satan would like nothing more than to get into your head and make you believe and respond to God and to life through his lies, thinking that you're a failure, thinking that you never will never amount to anything. You don't, the thinking that you don't know enough, you aren't spiritual enough, you aren't wise enough, you aren't resilient enough, you aren't strong enough. See, oftentimes people will say the opposite of faith is, is doubt, but that's actually not quite true. The opposite of faith is the kind of unrelenting doubt that will not let you trust God and not let you take a step of faith. Trusting God and acting even when you don't feel like it can also be great faith. You can doubt and you can still stand up strong and maybe even take a step towards God in faith because you trust his truth more than the doubts that are screaming in your head. 
See, if Satan can get in your mind and bring unrelenting doubt, he knows he can kill whatever part of the dream he's bringing unrelenting doubt to you about. Whether it's your family, yourself, your career, your ability to be free of something that you want to be free of. See, the danger of unrelenting doubt is that you allow the lies of the enemy to become truth to you. See, not only does Satan use unfulfilled expectations and unrelenting doubts as dream killers, he also uses unchangeable circumstances. Let's jump to Genesis 18 and and to continue Abraham's story. It says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. I love this translation because it's such a nice, polite selection of words. I kind of like the old comment, advanced in age, because that means as everything begins to sag, it's nice to think I'm actually advancing, right? Such a nice positive spin on aging. And then there's the understatement in the text. Sarah wasn't just past. She was way past. The hot flashes were decades ago for her. I mean, it's just so understated. Which makes this story that much more profound and beautiful and powerful. See, when we look at circumstances and things don't add up, when our experience screams at us saying, you don't have enough time or you're too old, it just isn't going to happen. When you don't see any way you can have enough money or you could be smart enough so it's impossible when there are just too many unmovable obstacles, unmovable circumstances and people in the way of your dream, and when you don't have the right connections in life, or you come from a family, or you yourself for some reason are too dysfunctional so that your circumstances seem insurmountable, unchangeable, your dream dies. See, the danger of unchangeable circumstances is that we come to a place where we give up. Abraham ever had every excuse possible in the book from circumstances that meant he should have given up and just settled for whatever was. For some of you, you've had a dream for your life. Maybe you even sense that God put that dream there for you. And the circumstances have been such that the dream has been burnt in the ashes of unchangeable circumstances. You simply don't believe that dream can ever happen again. It feels hopeless. It's gone. It's in the past. It's dead. And it's been buried. You thought you could be a certain kind of dad. But work and marriage and the pressure and the schedule and life has made you believe it's not even possible to be what you wanted to be. You wanted your family to look like a certain way, but problems, personalities, health issues have made it impossible. You want your career to be something other than it is, something better, bigger, different, but it doesn't seem possible given the people and the systems you have worked in and work within now. See, maybe you're sitting here feeling like that dream that you wanted to still just feels just so far off. It's impossible. So what do you do? How do you respond today? See, I believe God is inviting us all to one thing that's very simple, but but let me warn you, simple, simple things in life are often the hardest things in life. 
If you need a breakthrough, every breakthrough starts in taking a step of faith by being willing to dream again. See, as you came up to this new year visiting family and talking in resolutions, some of you either said inside or you felt inside, I can't dream. It hurts too much. It's too disappointing. It's too vulnerable for me to put my dreams out there again. I, I don't know exactly how you're feeling or what level of disappointment or pain you're feeling, but, but this I know. In my life, I've struggled and been stuck at different points in every single one of these dream killers. Circumstances that seemed unchangeable. Times when my own personal issues and weaknesses and sin seemed insurmountable for me to overcome, to become the person I dreamed of, the person I believed God was wanting me to be. Times of just wanting to give up. When people told me in those times of dreams, to dream, in those times of desperation to dream, frankly, half the time I just wanted to scream at them and tell them off. And half the time, I just went inward and I beat myself up, oftentimes saying to myself, oh, they can be successful, they can dream, but that's not me. I'm not that good, not that smart, not that capable. I've blown it. It's not going to be for me. And yet, whether my anger and my disappointment was turned outward or inward in those times, the reality looking back on is that taking the step of faith toward God to dream again was exactly the step I needed to take as the first step in those times of seeking a breakout and breakthrough. See, I needed, even if I couldn't take the step, to at least stand up inside and say to God, I'm willing to dream again. I'm willing, even if it hurts, even if it seems hopeless, I'm willing to come to you and let you breathe back life into those dreams or give me new dreams. I'm, I'm, I'm willing, even if I can't take a step, I'm just willing to stand up and say that to you, God. See, Abraham's story also gives us, let's call them, three even-ifs of dreaming, dreaming again that I think can help us. The first is this, even if, dream even if it takes a long time. In Genesis 21, we see Abraham approaching dream fulfilled, now at 100 years old. 25 years after when he was given the dream, it finally is fulfilled. So Joseph, even for Joseph, you see it elsewhere. Joseph, the story we'll look at in other messages in this series, it was 15 years from the time God spoke to him, the time the dream was fulfilled. And 13 of those years were spent in places that it seemed absolutely 100% impossible. He was sold into slavery. And he spent two to four of those years in a dungeon, a filthy dungeon. For both Abraham and Joseph, the dream seemed absolutely impossible and insufferably long before its fulfillment. So you might be thinking, yeah, but, but you don't understand, Ross. You, the, the dream for me, it isn't just long. It's dead. It's gone. It's buried. My dream for what my marriage and my family was could be died years ago. I screwed it up bad enough. It's never going to happen. Or you might be thinking for my career, I had my shot and I didn't do it well and it didn't happen and it's just never going to happen. See, but the truth of the matter is, for you, after having been on a long journey for so many years, even with all the setbacks for so many years in that dream, some of you are right around the corner from God fulfilling that dream and restoring it and bringing it back to full life. Hold on. Keep dreaming and trusting God. And honestly, some of you are a long ways away still 
from the fulfillment of that dream. But the dream is indeed coming to fulfillment if you will keep trusting God. Because God has a process. And even when things happen in your life that can't rightly be attributed to God, but rather are more reflective of sin and failure in your own life or in other people's lives or of Satan, God never wastes anything in life. uh, He uses everything to help you move forward to the fulfillment of his dreams for you. So dream again and trust his process. And second, dream again even if it's outlandish. And, And trust his purpose. In Genesis 22, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. I mean, such a hard thing to do. If you were here Christmas Eve, you saw Carl and Aidan and Jeremy and Bill do such a great job of portraying how difficult the ask to sacrifice your son would be. Think of Abraham. Wait, he waits 25 years for the promise to be miraculously fulfilled. And now, 10 or 12 years later, the promised son, God asks him to sacrifice that son. See, our dreams in our life can so often become idols to us. And God wants us in our dreams to love him more and to serve him alone, not just to serve our dreams, which is what we can be tempted to do in life. Abraham trusted God's purpose so much that he was willing to lay down the dearest thing to him. And we see this trust in God's purpose in so many of the other stories as well fulfilled in the Bible. We see like Joseph languishing as a slave in prison and David promised future king running in the wilderness for his life for years. We see it on Jesus and the cross. We see it in James, Jesus' half-brother's statement when he says this in James 1. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, God's purpose in our life is that you, each and every one of us, would be mature, complete, whole, not lacking anything. So trust his purpose. The dream, the destination, makes the difficulties worth it. So trust his purpose and dream again. God knows what he's doing. I mean, Isaiah 55 puts it this way. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. From all of this, the scripture and all the examples throughout the Bible, God is clearly bigger, smarter, wiser, sees things more clearly in us and more clearly in other people and more clearly in circumstances. He knows what he's doing and what he's doing is good. It's great even, even when it sounds outlandish. So dream again, even if you don't think you can. Dream again because you can trust his promise. Yeah, but Again, you might be thinking, you don't know my situation. I've been there. I've done that. I, I've tried to trust this process. The pro- promise. I'm worn out. I'm burned out. I, I, I'm tired of hitting my head against the same wall over and over again. You don't, you don't understand. I, I can't keep doing this because it'll never work. But here's the deal. You're absolutely right. You can't do it. You can't even dream again on your own. You can't do it without God. I mean, after Abraham puts Isaac on the altar, God stops him and so, to, from sacrificing, supplies a, a ram to sacrifice, and God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 22, and he says, 
I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have, and I want you to pay attention to that phrase, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely, pay attention to that phrase as well, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will, be, will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, the New Testament says Abraham is a model of faith for all of us. And I think this passage illustrates it really powerfully and poignantly. There's a connection between your faith and God's action. There's a connection between your willingness to dream again. There's a connection between you turning to God and saying, I'm at least willing to dream again that is directly connected to you discovering the breakthrough that you're looking for in your life. Because you have been willing to take a step, even while not knowing, not understanding, not seeing any possibility of it, because you have been willing to show your faith, not by your complete lack of doubt, but because you have been willing to stand up and take a step toward God, towards the dream of God for your life, God says, I will surely bless you. Now, understand, we don't manipulate God with our faith in any stretch of the imagination. It's not up to our perfect performance for God to act. Our faith is centered in our recognition that God's life, God's power, God's love, God is the one who fulfills dreams. God is the one who can help you grow past the repeated failure of your sin. God is the one who can take impossible circumstances and turn them for good. And it is in your turning to God and saying with your action, even though it hurts to dream, even though it's hard to believe the dream, it's saying, because, he comes and says, because you simply stand up and turn to God and ask God to breathe life into your dreams again, it's at that moment that God's life meets you and begins to breathe life back into the dead places in your life the dreams of your life, the hopes you've had for a better future, the hopes to be a better, more whole, healthier person. Because you have, I will, is God's response. So dream again. Dream again. You can be the dad you have dreamed of being. You can be the husband. You can be the wife you've dreamed of being. You can make a difference beyond what you can imagine because God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And God wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. If you put your faith out there to just turn to him and say, help me dream again. Because you have, he will. As I was preparing for this series, I've been invitingly challenged by God to do this very thing thing for myself, to dream again about dreams that I've started to think were dead, that dreams I thought could never happen again, that were in the past, that would no longer be a part of my future, to turn to him more consistently because I've noticed that as I try to dream again, what happens is all the reasons why I shouldn't dream begin to scream at me in my head louder and louder and more frequently. 
So for me, what dreaming again is looking like is that I, that I pulled out an old unused notebook that's sitting around our home and I'm starting to journal about my, my dreams and journal about some of my prayers. Now understand, I'm not a big journaler. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not your model for journaling in life. I'm not, and I'm not writing a book in this. I'm also actually setting an alarm on my phone throughout the weekdays to, to remind me to more often just take a pause for just three to five minutes to just pause from my work for three to five minutes to pray and turn my heart and my thoughts to God and ask him questions about what he wants me to dream. And as I do, I'm sitting there ready with pen in hand and paper ready to write whatever impressions or thoughts come to my mind that might possibly be God. Now, honestly, I haven't written hardly anything yet. I think I'm just still trying to get through the noise to hearing God. But I want to invite you to do something similar. Find something that whatever works for you in that way. Worship, worship team, go ahead and come on back up. So this week, this month, through this series, set aside little chunks of time to more regularly turn your thoughts to God and ask him to help you dream again. Ask him to put his finger on the old dreams that you think are dead dreams that he wants to bring life to again. Ask him to help you dream in areas that you feel hopelessly stuck and ask him for a breakthrough in your own personal growth and your ability to realize those dreams of who you want to be and what you want life to be. Maybe even a shorter term goal than that would be this week. This week, just identify one or two dreams in your life that have died or where unrelenting doubt is creeping in and ask God to help you by breathing new life into those dreams. Why? Again, because God wants you to be mature and complete, lacking in, lacking in nothing. He wants you to have everything you need. He wants that more for you than you want it for yourself. And because God wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask, so let's get back to dreaming and let's get back to asking God. He wants to do immeasurably more than you ask, even more than you can imagine. So let's let's not ask God for our own dreams, but let's ask God for him to give us his dreams for our lives, our marriages, our children, our work that go beyond his dreams. Would you just join me in prayer for a moment? And I, and I want you to be more active. I don't want you to just be in your own heart just listening to me pray on this. So... Here's how maybe, maybe we can start praying this way, by just simply surrendering to God our can't and our never statements that we say about the areas where we feel like we're stuck, the areas where we feel like the dreams are gone. So would you just join me as we, as we kind of begin to surrender those? Lord, just forgive me, forgive us for those can't and those never statements we've made. Lord, right now we turn to you and we ask that you would define for each of us what is possible with you in this life. Help each of us be the person who focuses on the dreams you give and the power and the life you give, not the things we think can't happen, the things we can't do. Lord, I pray that you'd help grow in each of us a strong faith and a rejoicing in you and your life and your power and your possibility in our lives and your possibility in other people's lives as well. Come and do good through each of us that it goes well beyond our imagination. Help us break through this year from things that we're stuck in, from things that we're hopeless about to become more whole, more complete, lacking 
nothing. Lord, help us dream your dreams. Come to us now in this space. God, thank you for your presence. We just worship you. Let me just pray a blessing. Lord, I pray that with each and every one of us this week, you would go with us, that you would meet us. And Lord, I pray especially that your spirit would come to us as we just even take the simple step of, God, I'm I'm willing to at least consider dreaming again. Would you meet each and every one of us in that place and begin to bring life and hope into our lives and bring the change and the wholeness that you want to bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.